You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio. This is The Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into stories about food, radical love, and creative social justice. Starting a food business is a labor of love and a high-risk endeavor, and Mubaraka Ibrahim is good at it. Her bean pies, rooted in her black Muslim American culture, have filled a gap in the northeastern U.S. market, and her business savvy has gotten her pies picked up by a number of local grocery stores and chains just in her first year. Already a successful fitness training entrepreneur when she started her baking business, she had appeared on Oprah and has a large social media following through Fit Muslima and her local New Haven, Connecticut practice. But starting her pie business wasn't all brown sugar and spice. As she navigated the complicated certification and inspection process of starting a food business, some of the hoops she had to jump through seemed totally illogical, both for entrepreneurs and for a city trying to support business growth and use its limited resources wisely. So she's setting out to streamline the process and policies, and I invited her here today to tell us all about it. Mubaraka, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you back. Awesome. I'm glad to be back. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yes. So we first recorded a show over a year ago when you were first starting out called Fit and Feast, when you were first starting your pie business. And can you share a little bit, just in case people didn't catch that, about why you started making bean pies? So um, I started making bean pies actually off of a Facebook post. (laughs) And um, one day I was feeling quite nostalgic about my childhood. And part of my childhood, I grew up in Brooklyn. And uh, one of the uh, one of the distinct memories of growing up in Brooklyn is going to the basement corner bodega and grabbing a bean pie. So I grew up in the uh, high rises on Georgia and Alabama Avenue in East New York. And there is a courtyard there and there was a basement bodega. And what you did on the weekends was, you know, early in the morning, you would get up and you would. Uh, go downstairs and you would the girls would play double dutch the boys would play basketball we would play hopscotch and we would be playing all day and midday you run and go get a couple of dollars from your mom and you go get a bean pie and that's what you snack on all day until dinner time probably wasn't the best nutrition now that I'm saying it that way (laughs) because you literally kind of like ate pie all day yeah (laughs) and then you ate dinner yeah so um and it it's a it's a very nostalgic feeling and also a feeling of when I think about eating bean pies, I think of safety, I think of family, I think mm-hmm. of community, all of those memories kind mm-hmm. of flood back. And so I was sitting home one day and I was like, geez, the closest place to get a bean pie is if I drive to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. There's like literally no place in Connecticut that sold bean pies. And I thought about it for probably about a half an hour. I was like, who can I call that will just take a drive to Brooklyn for lunch for mm-hmm. me? And then I said, eh you know what, I'm a pretty good bake. I'm going to try to make this. Mm -hmm. So I tried to, so I kind of Googled several recipes. And when I Googled the recipes, one blogger had a picture of a bean pie that she made and it had whole beans falling out of it. (laughs) And if you've never had a bean pie, that is definitely not what your bean pie should look like. (laughs) Even though it's called a bean pie, if no one told you what it was called, you would never know it was beans. And so I kind of screenshotted it and shared it on my Facebook page and it got shared like 60 times in the first 30 minutes because everybody who knows what a bean pie was just laughing. And so I decided to uh, try to make one. And 
I did not grow up. So the bean pies originates in the nation of from the nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. I grew up Orthodox Sunni Muslim. My parents uh, were never a part of the nation. So if I were, I would probably have a recipe from a grandmother or an aunt that I could call and say, tell me how to make it. So I was subject to what we do in today's age. I just Googled bean pie recipe. (laughs) And I discovered that there are uh, several different versions of how you can make it. The ingredients pretty much stay consistent, but each recipe had a different... um, a different uh, proportion of each one. And so I tried several different variations. And finally, after probably about nine tries Mm. and three weeks, my husband, who was my taste tester, was like, this is perfect. Leave it just like that. So that was actually how I started. And I shared it on Facebook. Hey, I know how to make bean pies now. And I found myself making 25 bean pies for people to come pick up just community people. Well, my Facebook friends, that's the only people who knew I was making them. <laughs> and I said, Hey, if I can sell 25 bean pies a week off of a Facebook post, this is a business. Yes. I remember I was looking at your like yeah. late night <laughs> baking pictures in your yeah. kitchen with all these bean pies out and people were like, I'll take one. I'll take one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's really how I started. I crunched the numbers and I was like, Hey, this is profitable. It's a business. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And so I decided to go into the business of making pies. <laughs> That's great. And so this moving from your kitchen out into like, mm. so, you know, you're cooking for friends. That's one thing. But when you start wanting to sell something right. for real, legit retail, you have to enter into a whole other world of getting your oh, yeah. stuff certified. Right. <laughs> and I think as you experienced and many people experience when they take their passion for cooking out into let's do this for real, um, it's a lot more complicated than people think. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. I think that also, too, this is where you have to come offline. Because yeah. online, you find all of the these different great stories about people, you know, I made $100,000 last year cooking for my kitchen. And then you're like, oops, in Connecticut, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you really have to find out what your local and your state laws are. So that was kind of like the first aspect of uh, going into business. Okay, what does the state of Connecticut require? Because I have family member and used to live in Massachusetts. And what I knew about Massachusetts was that they had the cottage law. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I did was look inside. So the cottage law is a law that states pass that allow bakers to bake from their home and sell the baked goods Mm -hmm. that they um, that they use. But Connecticut at the time did not have it. So in the state of Connecticut, it required the use of a commercial kitchen. So then I had to set about the task of finding a commercial kitchen that would allow me to rent it in order to bake the pies. Um, The I should note for people who are listening, who are in Connecticut, as of today's date, which is September 21st, 2018, September 21st, 2018, the cottage law in Connecticut has been passed, but it has not gone through committee. So hopefully by this time next year, we will have a cottage law in Connecticut. So what that means is that the 
legislators have said, yeah, this is a good idea. We're going to allow people to bake in their homes. But the committee hasn't decided whether or not they're going to inspect people's homes. What are they going to require as far as facilities in people's homes? Or are they going to do it just by the trust? <laughs> um, so it, ha- it has not gone. So we still can't bake and sell from our home, but hopefully soon we'll be able to. Mm-hmm. So when I started my business, cottage law wasn't even passed yet. Um and I found a local baker who was uh, willing to rent me her kitchen. And then I had to get that kitchen certified. So that process is where the cumbersome <laughs> and redundancy come in. So for our city in New Haven, our certification goes through. Oh, and I should probably note for my particular goal for my business, I did not have a retail space and I did not um obviously wanted to continue to sell people sell for my house (laughs) so my business goal was to sell pies wholesale um in Connecticut to start off with and all retail sales was online and I mailed them mailed the pies out so because my goal was to sell to stores that will sell to consumers I had to get two licenses one from the city of New Haven and one from the state of Connecticut right so those are two different processes um for the state um version um it's called a state manufacturing food manufacturing uh um, permit it was actually pretty easy I mean it was a work but it was pretty easy so it's just twenty dollars you pay $20 online, and once you pay the $20 online, the inspector that's assigned to your uh, area will contact you and arrange to come to the facility to... The interesting thing is that they, because it's manufacturing, they are very tedious. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to know everything from where you buy your ingredients from, how do you store them, how do you transport them from the store to your facility, where do you store them at, how do you store them. And then she literally watched me make the pie. And they are, and she's like, so are you going to take off your jewelry? (laughs) So like she pays attention to every single thing. But she was very, very helpful. So I give five stars to the state of Connecticut process of food manufacturing uh, certification. And then in that process, part of what they're doing, correct me if I'm wrong, is that they are, because they're looking at where you're sourcing stuff from, you also had to set up a process where you were documenting like which bag of flour did you use for which, for every ingredient, which ingredient bag and box went into which pie so which batch of eggs which batch of sugar so that if there's any contamination you can track back to every group of pies yes oh that bag of flour somebody identified their salmonella somehow contaminated from the you know the original manufacturer and then it gets traced back so you're able to recall those things so you have to set up this really methodical process and track every batch like what what you use yes so that is that's a part of it and she was very she was very helpful because I had no idea that I had to do that and so she explained that to me she even gave me kind of like this is the FDA list that you have to get on for recall and you have to you know they send out daily emails you have to check the email so she was really extremely helpful as far as like exactly what I need to do to be in compliance one of the interesting things that I found out because I was like asking her like does the federal government Government have to come in there she was like no they don't get involved until you make 10 million dollars I was like, okay, <laughs> business goals <laughs> have to deal with the feds. 
So I thought that was interesting. They yeah. actually, it's not about how big your facility is. It's not about how much you're producing. It's, it's about crazy. your revenue. When wow. you make a certain amount of money, then the FDA gets involved. Wow. That was really interesting. So that was like the state process. So, um, and then I had to also get certified by the city of New Haven Health Department. And that's the process where you have to physically go down to the health department and pick up an application. And on that application, it has positions for, it has lines for four different departments to sign off on. So the fire marshal has to come and inspect the space. The regional water authority has to inspect the space. You have to get a sign off from zoning. They don't physically have to come out. You basically go to the office and they just make sure it's zoned. You tell them the address. He looks on his computer to make sure it's zoned right. for what you're doing. And then the building department may or may not have to inspect the space. So what I found... Um, the building department was interested, and that's kind of like when I got my first um, inkling that the city really did not have a process for what I am category categorizing as a micro food business. So when I first went to the city for my first the first time um, in the building department, he was getting ready to make an appointment to come out and see the facility, and I told him I was like. I'm baking, I'm just using her oven four hours a week. Right, so this is a, a commercial retail location right. that is up and running, fully certified, Absolute, bakes and right. sells to the public every single day. Right. And, and you're just using the space for like 10, 15 hours a week. Not even that much. Like yeah. when I first started off, I would bake like once a week. It would take me like four hours. Right. And like, you know, when at the peak of season, maybe 12 hours. Um, but... When I so I began to explain to him that I'm literally just going in there, walking in a triangle, sink, uh, table, oven, sink, table. Like I'm not doing anything that. And so he, so his response was, "Are you using anything with grease? Because if you are, there has to be a grease trap. Do you know?" She asked, "Like I'm not using grease." She said, "Okay." He said, uh, "Are you making any structural changes? Are you installing an oven?" I was like, "No, everything is already there. I'm literally just opening the oven door that exists." And he was like, "Okay, then I don't have to come out." And he just signed the paper. Mm -hmm. And so, in my mind, through this process, I'm thinking like. And the the owner literally told me she's like the fire marshal was just here six months ago, and I'm thinking to myself like that really doesn't make sense that mm -hmm. all of these departments sure they have better things to do with their time. I mean he's a fire marshal for goodness sake, right? <laughs> that has to constantly come out is just redundant, right? And what you're doing is not you are not the only person doing this, right? I mean I work with a lot of small food people who are starting up food businesses, mm -hmm. and what you're doing is exactly what so many people do because right. they can't afford right out the gate to take on $1,200 rent on a, on a kitchen or, or $2,000 rent. On Not even space. just the, the rent is the smallest thing that you have to worry right. about. I mean, I, I kind of jumped into the food business without like, look, because I guess when I, when I decided, okay, I'm going to make this a business in my mind from the beginning, I thought of, um, okay, I just need some place to bake because I did not want to, I didn't want the time commitment of opening up a retail location. So I didn't really look at what it would cost to, you know, to buy stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was in my, cause it wasn't a part of my plan. And, but when later on I thought about, you know, it was doing well and I was like, oh, maybe I'll think about opening a bakery. You need a hundred thousand right. dollars minimum 
to open up a right, bakery. All the equipment and everything. An oven yeah. alone is like eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Every every piece of equipment, essential pieces of equipment that you need, starts at five thousand dollars, and that's the cheap used version. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, <laughs> it costs a lot of money to open up a bakery. <laughs> I mean, it doing so doing it um on a, what I call a micro scale you're renting an existing facility is really a way to open uh, open up the door to allow you to be able to you know generate revenue so that you can eventually open up your own space and so I think it's important that we remove those barriers because there's a whole host of people who can't just go to the bank and say hey I have a great business plan and you know can you give me a hundred and fifty thousand dollars so you went through this over a year ago a year and a half ago I guess almost where when you first started and you Mm -hmm. moved into this first bakery and then you needed to move from there more recently into a second space a second kitchen right Right. and so now you're being forced to go through the process again and my sense is you were like I've had it I don't want to go through this again and so it was very frustrating and so now what's going on you're so the new facility I am moving in and I was very fortunate to have uh, a gentleman and the facility is like three times as large as the previous facility so that's great because what it will allow me to do is that it would actually it's enough space that it will actually allow me to scale so for an example when I was using the previous facility I actually got a request for proposal from the state of New York to make 10,000 bean pies I physically could not do that in her space because I did not have the storage uh you know the hours are limited and so this will actually allow this space so this is good for my business to be able to use the space Now, the first dilemma is that the city of New Haven charges by the square foot. They don't charge by how new your business is, how much revenue you're making. It's only about how big is the space that you're using. So the city's fees for his space is nearly $500. And that is what he pays. And I'm like, why do I, as a small business, that like, that's just not fair that's to me. That's what he pays to each year to certify yes. the space, yes. the physical 475 space. 475 is the actual amount, 475 mm-hmm. to certify the physical space. The same, but I had the same dilemma in the previous space. You know, her space, the kitchen is about 300 square feet of her 1,500 square feet. I'm not using the retail space. I, I don't even go in that part, right? And I'm like, why do I have to pay for an entire space where the owner themselves have access to both retail and manufacturing they can use it anytime they have the ability to generate much more money than I do I'm limited in my space I'm limited in my time like why should a micro why should your business fee be the same yeah it's be the fee. same as the person right. who owns the, the yeah. space so that that was one dilemma the second issue I think that what really frustrated me and I was like because you know we talked about oh we need to do this last year and um, everything kind of like went smooth so I kind of just let it go right but (laughs) I think that what frustrated me this time is that when I went to go and get the um, sign off the building sign off the lady is like nope you have to do them in order and I'm looking at her like one has 
absolutely nothing to do with the other. Yeah. Like the building department doesn't need to do what the fire department does. The fire department does not check the war the grease traps and the water drains mm -hmm. like and i'm just looking at her like you're just trying to make this difficult like this is ridiculous i <laughs> i had the same experience when i went i had to get a liquor permit for a fundraiser block party that we were doing a couple years ago and it's the same process where you have to go to each of these departments mm -hmm. the same ones you mentioned to get signatures so i went first i don't know i remember which one i went to first like the zoning department or something and they were like oh no you have to actually go to the fire marshal first and then I went to this other department they're like no you have to go to that department first and I was like why doesn't the form just say you have to do them in this order <laughs> so there's another thing we have to work on fixing if it needs so, to be done so in a certain they order did. they need to actually tell you that okay on the so form. let me tell you what they did maybe they did this because uh, <laughs> because of your complaint <laughs> they give you a separate piece of paper now to tell you that it has to be done in such and such order but that's not the order, order of the signatures on, on, the on a form mm -hmm. <laughs> so i'm like Okay, so okay. That we're going to make a note. That's another note yes. for something that you need to change. <laughs> yes. so, so the reason that I invited you here today is also because in your frustration this second time around, you have drafted a letter mm -hmm. and you're trying to go through a process to actually get these things changed. Right. So you have started the conversations with the Board of Alders, who are essentially our city council, and you've identified some of these things that you've observed mm -hmm. that need to be changed and have outlined them in this letter. And we can't make the letter public as of today of our show, yeah. but it uh, because it hasn't actually gone through that process yet, mm -hmm. but it will be public soon. Mm -hmm. But I wanted you to come to tell us about these things yeah. that you're proposing be changed. Right. So, uh, so I us, can say what's in what the letter. Yeah, but, <laughs> so, um, so in order for this process to be changed, it is considered a city ordinance. And what I did was I actually composed a proposed city ordinance. And the city ordinance is designed in a way to make the process of what we are categorizing as a micro food business so what the city ordinance does is actually creates a another category of food business so right now we only have one category and that's why everybody has to go through the same process so a micro food business is a category of a food business a person who's seeking a food establishment permit a food service permit that will gross less than $250,000 a year that will rent from an existing certified commercial kitchen within the city of New Haven that will not use any oil or um, frying that may require a grease trap and uh, what was the third one? and that will um, the 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 certification is not just once a year but is the halfway through the there's year a, there's another right. there's another uh the that won't use a grease trap and oh I for the baking part yes yeah. and does not install any major equipment right. so i try to take in consideration some of the concerns of the city as far as grease trap as far as whether or not the space itself has been physically altered that kind of stuff i would understand that the city would need to come in to make sure that it's done correctly um so as long as you're not making any structural changes or you don't there's nothing that the city itself has to inspect then the ordinance proposed that you just get a copy of the existing space certification and bring that to the health department and pay only a $75 fee. So, and the other issue I don't think that we mentioned was that the city also has no prorated fees for 
when you get certified. So in the city, you every food establishment has to pay their annual dues on May 1st. When I initially started my business, it was like March 15th. They wanted me to pay an entire year worth uh, uh, annual due in March and then six weeks later pay another one year and I was just like that is absolutely ridiculous I'm you're I'm paying for a year of certification and it's only going to last six weeks and so the other thing that the ordinance do is that it has a prorated um, fee per quarter so if you are not if you're not going if you're just getting in business and you know February or March, then you should only pay for that quarter of your license and then pay the annual fee in May. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the two, I think, things that will make it just easier for people who want to start and get into the food business and make it easier, less cumbersome. It saves the city money from redundancy. We're paying these employees by the hour. And so they could be doing a whole lot of other things than going into a space and turning around in a circle because they was just there last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and why do you think that this is important for um, other entrepreneurs? How is this going to help them? I think that it's important for other entrepreneurs because when you get into, so for me going through all of this because I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've done so many other things, I think I stayed the course, but when you put up barriers for people, you discourage them. Somebody who could have otherwise had, you know, a fabulous cookie company or catering company that the frustration of having to go through all of this can discourage people. Mm -hmm. And I honestly believe that entrepreneurship is really the key to, uh, economic security as well as economic growth for many disadvantaged communities. We have a huge deficit in people, you know, saying, well, I can't get a job, but uh, I have this talent. I don't know how to turn it into something that, uh, you know, I can do. And if you can start a business and a food business is such a when people cook and they cook out of a labor of love it's something that they can do mm-hmm. right and enjoy doing and if you can make money from doing that and you have the city support where the barriers are removed make it easier for you to do that and that's kind of like a win-win for both the city and for the residents right and those small businesses can have such an impact not only on that one person and their family, Absolutely. but on their block, on their neighborhood, on their whole community. Because the diff- you know, when you have a vibrant food business, like people come and gather there, mm-hmm. even if it's a food cart, right? right. Or or a catering company or, you know, things that are still operating out of other people's kitchens, yeah. those things have a really big impact mm-hmm. on on a whole community. And that is I a hundred percent agree with you that that's the kind of economic development that we really need because otherwise if it's just concentrated downtown and it's not in the neighborhoods and um, you know on these a lot of vacant storefronts and commercial strips then we're not going to have that kind of vibrancy in our neighborhoods that we really want. And it gives back to the community. When you have local people owning businesses, they hire local people. That's right. And so you are, you know, there's one um, statistic that I was reading that was saying that when 
a person when when there's a local business that for every hundred dollars that's spent in that local business i believe 67 dollars of that goes back into that community because if you have somebody in the community there's a nice little saying i think i read it on some social media maybe instagram or <laughs> facebook and it was saying every time you purchase from a local business you're sending a little girl to ball ballet class and that's what you're doing. You're supporting your community members. And in turn, if I live in a community, I am buying from the local grocery store who also lives in a community. My kid is going to the local, uh, you know, music class or ballet class. And the money circulates back inside of the community right. as opposed to you having a business. I mean, not to like bash Walmart or Stop and Shop, but like those are corporations and that money isn't going back back into the community when the owner of that makes a half a million dollars his half a million dollars is going spending someplace else mm -hmm. he's not coming to new haven and putting his kid at uh the music school right there, there there's there's a huge difference right. it's it, it creates a cycle of economic stability in our community yeah yeah and that's why i love what you're doing because i think these are these very logical things mm -hmm. that anyone who goes through them is like, why in the world is this happening this way? And yeah. and I think the fact that you're having to go through it a second time mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, yeah. I, I did this once. Exactly. I can't do this a second time. So I'm curious, how did you get to the, from the point of being frustrated and saying, all right, this time I'm going to do something about this. How did you figure out what needed to be done? So I, you know, I, I, follow politics. I, I mean, I know I'm, I wouldn't say a political enthusiast, but I just think this is important for everybody to understand how our political system works. So I knew what needed to be done. Just the first time around, I just was like, somebody else will do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not the only person having this problem. I talked to several people, you know, I talked to you, I talked to people at City Seed, I talked to a lot of different food people and they're like, yeah, we need to do this. And I, you know, first time around, I was like, no. Nah. Then the second time around, I was like, no, nobody has not done it in a year. <laughs> this needs to be done <laughs> because this is just ridiculous. And so I think that the frustration, I and it's just the, I guess the way that I operate is that when I'm frustrated, I was like, hey, what's the solution so that this does not happen again? Kind of mm -hmm. like that right. fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me <laughs> like so frustrate me once shame on you frustrate <laughs> me twice shame on me we gotta get this done <laughs> and so I I kind of knew what needed to be done and I knew that it was it was just a matter of creating this ordinance this policy that the city could refer to because honestly talking to city employees they really don't know what to do with people who rent kitchens they don't they're like um pay me money I don't know <laughs> And so that's when I put it together. So um, I so as I, I put it together, I got some feedback from you, from Austin, from a few different people. And then my husband, um, Shafiq, who has he's written other city ordinance before he used to be he's a retired police officer, um, but also community activist and has done other things with older people. And so he kind of formatted it for me. Um, yeah, to look up like, how do you start an ordinance? Right. Like, what's that first <laughs> right. sentence? And what exactly. I see you have like a letter at the front because it has yeah. to go through the Board of Alders, right? right? So, so I had to submit it through the Board of Alders and then the president of the board will then assign it to committee. And mm -hmm. once it's assigned to committee, then it will be open up to public. And so I think that the letter should probably go public right when it's assigned to committee. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
um, the public can come and either support yay or not support it when it's open for public discussion. Um, so far, I haven't gotten any uh, pushback. Um, I have submitted the letter to the Board of Alders, and I've also um, talked to um, the mayor's legislative aide uh, or legislative assistant. I'm not sure which, which one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um to kind of like let her know that this is coming down the pipeline and this is something that we need. The good thing that I did find out um, in New Haven is we have um, a city, um, what do they call it? A city transformational plan. Yes. And a part of the city's transformational plan, there's actually a paragraph in there that talks about um, entrepreneurship being one of the key um, components to economic stability in uh solving food insecurity in Mm -hmm. the city and so this is actually the perfect match for that portion of the of the ctp okay my heart is about to explode because i helped get that in the city transformation plan awesome awesome (laughs) when i was the chair of the food policy council um you know we we drafted with lots of public input the the food action plan for the city and then every 10 years the city um creates this well actually I'm sorry there's a transformation plan and there's a like a a master plan for the city and so a few years ago it was coming up for revision and we said well let's get some of these pieces of food policy woven Mm. through it and so we looked at the different parts of it like the economic development part and the environmental part and neighborhood development these different things and tried to plug in these pieces around mm. food policy, um, around health, around economic development, around school food, all these things in there exactly for this reason. Ex- I can't excellent. believe this. Is so, <laughs> like so did you reference that in, in this letter? That so this is I did in the not reference plan? that inside the letter because I got the the transformation plan after I submitted the letter. All right, so we should, we should revise yeah. this yes. letter and put that in there <laughs> yes. and say we are actually helping you manifest your own approved vision for yes. how to improve our yes. city. So um, I was, but it was <laughs> uh, suggested that I make sure that I bring that up in the city in yes. the public hearing yeah. that, that we talk about that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, That's yeah, I, I was like, oh, this is just perfect. This is exactly what this does. It removes barriers so that people right. can start small businesses and, and you know, entrepreneurs. One, one of the things that is great about this is that part, you know, cities are people who work in city departments often are have too many things on their plate, especially mm-hmm. in a city like ours where you have so many needs that our city's trying to fill, right? We have right. we have suburban towns and some very wealthy towns in Connecticut that do not have the expense of um, supporting so many of the things that our cities have to support in terms of healthcare, in terms of immigrants, recent immigrants, in terms of the number of kids in schools, like all these right. different things and services that our city has to provide. And so they don't have someone who's got the time to draft this ordinance, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so in one hand, you think like, it's kind of crazy that you as just like a citizen are drafting public policy. But I think that people don't have to feel like it has to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. If you get the essence, if you don't, if someone doesn't have all the skills you have or a husband who's also done this before, <laughs> they can even just put down like, here are the things, here's why it needs right. to change. Just a paragraph, right. why this needs to change and what I see needs to change. And even that is a really good start that then a committee, if it's brought to the Board of Alders, can help figure out all that technical language, right? I don't think people need to have quite all the skill that you have to go through this process. But you know what I, what I, what I think we do need is we do need to really understand and believe in the fact that we are 
our political system. We are our community. The people the people should put together policy because we know what we need and that is what our democracy is. It is for the people and by the people. <laughs> we are the people. <laughs> I think it was uh, President Barack Obama yes, who yes, said, yes. we are the people that we, we, we are the change right. that we've been waiting for. Right. So if you have an idea, don't just sit back and just like, oh, they should be doing this and they are the politicians. You are the people. That's if right. you need something, say, look, this is what I need. Put it together. And that's what that's how they actually are supposed supposed to solicit our votes say look this is what i need i'm a vote for you but you got to get this done yes i 100 percent <laughs> agree with you and and i was only thinking that some people might feel intimidated mm. that it has to be perfect right and that just doing what you just said is this is the change that i see that needs to happen exactly and just put that down on paper don't be exactly. intimidated it doesn't have the right legal language or you don't know the answer to every single thing Absolutely. what you do know put it on paper yep. and start the process and it's going to go to committee and the committee yep. might say, we have to go talk to the health department or we have right. to do this and there'll be a process. Right. right. And so taking your wisdom right. as a person who's going through this real life right. uh, situation and then taking action on it is what's really the important. other thing that I would also tell people is not only does it have to be perfect, as long as you have kind of like a clear idea is that we need to do this, this and this, the city has people that will format it for you. Right. I mean, my husband doesn't work for the city, but there's plenty of people that know how to do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. So um, they have people that will format it for you. So like you said, put it, put it, put it down on a piece of paper and that's important. Don't just call them and bug them. <laughs> Literally put it down on a piece of paper and take it and say look this is what we this is the change we need where do and they're there to help you so even if you don't know where to go go to city hall and say this is what i'm trying to do who do i give this paper to and they'll tell you who to give it to mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. that's right oh i'm so proud of you i'm so excited <laughs> awesome. this is happening so um we will post information up on the table underground.com mm -hmm. um and i'm sure you will be posting it all over social media yeah. when when you need people Absolutely. to show up so um where should people find find you which which of your many um, <laughs> profiles do you want people to follow so you can find me any place on social media under fit muslima f-i-t-m-u-s-l-i-m-a-h if you put that in then i will come up i'm fit muslima on twitter on facebook on instagram my two favorite are instagram and facebook i mean you'll find me on pinterest and snapchat too but I'm <laughs> physically on Instagram and Facebook every day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, people can, can kind of tune back in both to either of our social medias and yeah. onto the website and, and get links to everything. And, and when this letter is public, we will post it up there and people can find it. Um, cause I want to encourage people to other food businesses, especially and other entrepreneurs to come out and, and, and stand up for this. Right. Yeah. And so if you're, and if somebody is living in a state where they need this, then, you know, I plan on posting it. If you want to copy paste, copy paste and bring <laughs> it to your community. Yeah, that's right. That's excellent. So in addition to this, there's a few other things that you had to do to get your business started. Mm -hmm. So you had this certifying the space, but can you just give people just quickly some info about what were these other um, certifications you had to go through, like serve safe, food mm -hmm. service manager, insurance, kind mm -hmm. of just a clue, because I think there isn't 
even though we want it, there isn't actually like a step-by-step guide mm. of just like, what are all the pieces you need to do? You sort of find it out as you go. Someone's right. like, oh, you have to go get that certification in order to get this other right. thing. Right. So can you just tell us a little bit what were some of those other pieces you had to do to get your business up and going? So the first certification that I had to get that I did not have was a SurfSafe certification. In our city, the city of New Haven requires that at least one person. So if I was opening up a business and I had several employees, then at least one person who's going to be, uh, you know, a key component of the business has to have this certification. The important thing, the note that I had to, um, that I had to clarify was it needs to be a serve, save manager Mm -hmm. certification. So there are several different, there's like the employee one and then there's the manager. So it had to be a serve, save. And that's basically an all day class at the end of the class. uh, So they tell you like all of the food storage food safety cooking kind of like um requirement right have to be at and And then at the end of the class you take a test and you pass the test then you get your uh your serve safe uh, manager certification the city of new haven will require to see that when you get your um when you get your uh license your permit your food service establishment permit um the other thing was insurance. And that was so funny because you would think like, so all businesses need insurance. Like everybody should have insurance. But it was actually something that kind of like slipped my mind until a, a store said, sure, we'll carry it. We just need a copy of your insurance. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll send it on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Google. <laughs> and so it, getting insurance actually for as a small quote unquote micro business is actually pretty easy. I just went online and I looked at a few different places online that I can buy it. I ca- I had to call them, physically call them to make sure that my type, I was like, okay, because they actually have um, insurance policies for cottage law bakers. And I had to call them and say, okay, I'm not in my home. Am I still underneath this policy? Because, you know, in my state, we have to rent a commercial kitchen. And they were like, yeah, sure. So it's, it's not that expensive. It's like a couple hundred dollars a year for um, the um, for the licenses. If you want to, if you're using someone else's kitchen, you have to get Add it to your license, which add it to your insurance, which doesn't cost you more. An additionally assured, additionally insured person. So for each um, space that I use, that I make sure I just contact the insurance company and say I need this person as additionally insured. What that does is that protects the person that you're renting from, which you mm. definitely want to do, right? Um, you most uh, major stores so uh we got our pies into Shoprite as well as into whole foods and most major stores will want to see that certification Shoprite did not require us to add them as an additionally insured but whole foods did mm-hmm. so whole foods we had to add it again it doesn't cost you anything it's just you know calling your insurance company or even going online and just adding them online mm-hmm. um so and that process, that the insurance process is actually pretty easy because you can literally just go online um, and there's various different companies that you can go through. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a few other things too. Like, did you have to, re- you had to register your business? So, yeah. So when you've, so before, so I guess the steps, if I was to take you in order of the steps, the first thing that I did was I registered my business name with the city of New Haven. 
and then I went online to the state of Connecticut to get a sales and use permit. So if mm-hmm. you're going to sell and use anything, whether it's going to be food or it's going to be a product or anything, you have to get a sales and use permit because that allows them to say, hey, you owe us money. <laughs> Um, so, and I, so sells you. So once you get those two things, you are officially a business. Mm -hmm. You've registered your name in the city. What that does is that it prevents any other business from taking and using your name. Um, and then your sales and use permit is for the state and the federal government. When after about six months, my capacity, I needed to hire somebody. And so I hired somebody. So then you have to go and you have to get um, an employee tax ID number. Even though that, I should say, no, let me get, I have an employee tax ID number before I hired him. It's called the EIN. You need that. Actually, you need, I would say that would be the third step. So the first step, register your name with the city. The second step, get a sales and use permit from the state. The third step, go online and it's free you get an EIN employee identification number that's for the federal government so that they can track kind of like if you hire people and things like that but that's also important because you need that to open a bank account you have to use because you do not want to use your personal social security number to open a bank account for your business keep it underneath your business name um and then when I hired an employee I contacted the um, unemployment office for the, st- for the state and say, I've hired an employee. And so then now you have to start paying employee taxes. Um, and then after that, once you, uh, before you, your pie goes into anybody's mouth, you should have insurance. <laughs> so you decide <laughs> at what point that is. And that is to protect you. So, I mean, I can't. Uh, express enough the importance of having insurance not that you're going to try to kill somebody but you never know when you might need it um so then you have insurance and basically those that's kind of like once you get the insurance you go through the city to get your your light your food service permit you go through the state if you're going to sell to stores so you don't need to do the state part if you're not selling to re- to sto- stores wholesale um and then you're in business that's, so that's what I like with that eight steps <laughs> we'll and some of those steps have right. like five other pieces to them yeah, i think yeah. we should write it down i think it's that would be great so um you have had a lot of success in getting your bean pies out even though you've mm-hmm. had some of these challenges and um where can you tell us like where are things at now where where are your pies so right now my pies is actually as of today, nowhere, <laughs> because I had to. So this is the other thing is that I had to transition and I had a, a gap of a few months where I had no place to bake. So I, as much as it pained me, I had to contact my vendors and say, I am in the middle of transitioning to another mm. space so I can't because... I mean, if I had went to my house and just started baking and still, you know, that could cause a whole lot of problems. And you don't want to cause problems for other people. So um, when I'm up and running, hopefully next week, my goal is to be up and running by next week. They will continue to be in Kevin's Seafood and our new cat cafe mm-hmm. uh, um, has cool. they're, they're contacting me and they're like, are you ready yet? <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Um, and so the goal for me is to really, so right now my goal is this is pie season coming up. So, you know, Thanksgiving. Right. So my goal this year is we only did bean pies um, previously, but I'm going to add sweet potato pies to that. Mm. I want to expand my online business as well. And I'm going to try to really, I'm going to, 
try to expand the stores that it's available in. So in places where I think that it can really take off in um, communities of color uh, where there's been a uh, kind of like a, a hole of bean pies. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> and are they going back into the grocery stores or did you have to? So I'm hoping that they go back into the grocery store. So now this is about kind of like using my business negotiation skills to kind of like, because this is a, a so I, you know, I admit that this is a deficit that you don't want to find yourself in right. where you have to stop production. And then you're now you have to go back to all of these people and renegotiate. And so, that I can be reliable now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be well, you were super reliable yeah. before and right. you're like amazing at promoting not only your stuff but also their stores right. for carrying your stuff. Right. So So hopefully I all of that will be You have some good graces yes. in that way. Um have you had any challenges as a woman, a black woman, as a muslim in have has that come in uh, created challenges for you in your business? Um I have been fortunate. Um I can't say that I have can specifically say somebody did this to me because I was a woman or because I was black. So I can't say that I was specifically discriminated in any particular way. I mean, you have people that turn you down. You have people. So who knows if they said no because my name was Mubaraka or they saw me with a hijab on, right? So I don't know that. So I just kind of like take it in stride. My philosophy is always that God will put people give you people that is going to benefit you. So if it's somebody that's discriminating against me, it's probably somebody I didn't need in my life anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of like the way I take it. Sure. Well, thank goodness it has been very minimal. And yes. um, you do such an amazing job of, of creating goodness in all the different thank things you. you do and promoting it thank like a you. master. So, um, and I'm really excited that you're pushing through this change and I'm happy to support you in doing it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So tell us once again, how people can find you. So if you would like to order a bean pie, it's very easy to remember. I love bean pie.com. And, uh, of course, as a social media person, that's also all my handles. I love bean pie.com on Facebook. So facebook.com slash I love bean on Instagram. I love bean pie.com <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. I love bean pie.com. So if you want to order a bean pie, we, uh, ship, I ship, uh, with cold packs to any place in the continental United States. Um, so we do not ship international, but any place in the United States, uh, I can ship your pie. Uh, and if you want to follow us, you can follow us on social media. I love beanpie.com, or you can follow my endeavors in this process by just looking me up under fit Muslima and all of my social media will pop up. Great. And if people uh, want some enticement, these are delicious bean pies. They're like, so they're made with a white navy bean yes. and they're custardy and sweet yes. and just it absolutely is, delicious. A little spice in them. And I, I, we put, call bean pie sweet potato pie cousin on his mama side. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good description. So yes, try them out with this holiday season coming up with pie absolutely. season coming. And um, if people are local, they can... They can get you hopefully soon in the next yes. couple of weeks. Edge of the Woods, that's right. Edge, of, edge the woods of the Woods is definitely taking them back. Yeah. yeah. Great. And we will have all of your info and some photos listed up at thetableunderground.com. People can check her out there. You can also find past shows. Follow me on social media, The Table Underground, and uh, check out all kinds of stuff on our website. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Tegan Engel. This is The Table Underground. Thank you for listening.
This is WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio.